Halo. It's one of the biggest game franchises in the world. Its extensive lore has inspired multiple games, books, graphic novels, merchandise, anime, and a live-action TV series. It all began with Halo Combat Evolved, released as a launch title for the Xbox in 2001. And for two decades, one man has been at the centre of it all. My name is Steve Downs. I am and have been for the last 20 years the voice of Master Chief in the Xbox series Halo. Steve was a radio announcer when a phone call in 2000 saw him cast as the Spartan super soldier himself, John 117. As with any actor's approach to any character, you want to really understand who he is. And once you can get a focus on that, ideally the rest of it falls into place. Combat Evolved was just another gig when Steve was offered the role of Master Chief, but it changed the face of his career as Halo became a huge global success. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. I'm James Parkinson from Lawson Media. This is Gameplay. Stories about video games and the virtual worlds that power culture and community. For Steve Downs, his path to voice acting was a natural extension of his radio career. And like many people in radio, it starts with a love for music. Well, it all started with the Beatles. <laughs> Let's blame it on them. Uh, and um, that was where my fascination with rock and roll really uh, took flight. And uh, I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I wanted to be in a band. And the Beatles, you know, our first awareness of them was on Ed Sullivan. So I was 13 years old when that happened and um, immediately went out and talked my mom into buying me an electric guitar and off I went. And just it fell head over heels for rock and roll and playing music and, and that sort of thing. And fast forward to my college years and um, still playing in bands and all that. And uh, at some point, you know, then you know, realizing I had to start making some career choices. And by that time I was a drummer and being a drummer in a rock band didn't seem like the, maybe the wisest career choice a person could make. Uh, but I wanted to do something that kept me close to the music. And so I, I kind of thought maybe being in the production end of music, that appealed to me. And, and um, the closest thing I could get to that in terms of getting some sort of educational background was, you know, getting into radio and television and started working at the college radio station. And I just never looked back at that point. I fell in love with radio. It kept me close to the music. And for the next 44 years, uh, that's how I earned a living. And I often say that I never worked a day in my life because it was never really work. It was just always uh, a joy to be uh, involved with it uh, from, a, uh, from a music perspective and from an entertainment perspective. And um, it, it, was, it was the joy of my life for many years. 
Motley Crue at 95.5 KLOS from their first album. And Live Wire was a tune that we heard that wraps up 10 in a row commercial free as we just get warmed up here on a Wednesday night. We got lots happening tonight, including the new album preview hour tonight. When did you kind of, you know, start to discover your voice, I guess, as a broadcaster? I remember it very specifically. I was taking, you know, the introductory class to radio, Radio 101. And part of that was um, you had to, you know, create sort of a mock radio show and make commercials and give newscasts and all that stuff as part of your grade. And I remember clearly my teacher at the time, his name was Steve Doherty, uh, listening to my little production that I made and gave me some slight bit of encouragement. I mean, it was literally something like, you know, you might be good at this. <laughs> and it might have been strictly that. But, you know, when you're 19 or 20 years old and, uh, you know, your academic career had been average at best and mediocre, to have somebody in authority tell you that you might actually be good at something... <laughs> was all I needed. And man, I just took off from there. And it was, it was, uh, you know, not only did I love doing it, but now somebody's saying you might actually have an aptitude for it. So uh, it was very clear at that point that that's what I wanted to pursue. And um, it kind of speaks to, it speaks to the influence that, that uh, teachers have on their students. Uh, and, and, and that's not to be minimized in any way. Did you always have quite a deep voice as a, as a young man? I never thought of myself as having a deep voice. You know, I think my dad had a bit of a baritone uh, delivery, but I never thought of myself uh, that I was never conscious of it, I guess, uh, until radio. And, you know, that was, the again, going back to the birth of FM radio when you had, you know, sort of the stoned out FM jock, uh, you know, we're going to play this next song from a band that you may have heard of. You know, that it was that kind of that, that, that was sort of the stereotype of the delivery. And I would do that, you know, eventually it sort of became my speaking voice really. But I never, I was never consciously aware of it until I suppose well into my radio career that, that uh, you know, that maybe I sounded a little different than other people. It was Steve's voice that called the year of Marty O'Donnell, the audio director and composer at Bungie. But before Halo, Steve's first entry into voice acting for video games was the 1999 PC game Septeracore Legacy of the Creator. He played a character named Gunner. Yes, that was a game that Bungie had developed. And it was a very simple sort of game, you know, um, and I had a minor part in it. Marty O'Donnell, who who did the casting for it and would later do the casting and the music for Halo, used to listen to me on the radio in Chicago and uh, got a hold of me through my agent and just asked me to come in to uh, to read uh, for, for this character in this game. And that's where the whole thing started. Maya, we haven't much time. Doskius has begun his assault on the Emperor's palace. What? He's attacking his own people? Doskius has grown tired of the Emperor's meddling. So we were successful in stopping Doskius's lenses? Hardly. Not quite.
I didn't really know anything about the video game world other than, uh, you know, Mario Brothers and, you know, some of the obvious things. But I, I wasn't a gamer myself, so I wasn't really familiar with the world. But I, it is a different approach, and it is, it's, you know, it, it's called voice acting, and you are acting. And so it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. You sort of flex a different muscle, you know, from a creative standpoint. I really enjoyed doing it. It was a lot of fun. I didn't have any sort of... Uh, conscious awareness that it was going to lead to anything, but it was, uh, I, I certainly enjoyed doing it. About a year later, Marty O'Donnell called again, this time for a brand new game in development at Bungie, Halo Combat Evolved, and Steve would be voicing the main character. In hindsight, Halo was a big step up, but at the time, it was no different for Steve than the previous acting job. Well, you know, when I went into the studio to record for that, I probably had the same feeling I did when I went in the first time for, for the little PC game. I didn't really have an awareness that we were, you know, that this was a step up. I don't really... I don't think I thought of it that way. Uh, it was just another opportunity. What What was interesting to me was the story of Halo and the story of Master Chief and all that. And that excited me because I'm a bit of a science fiction fan anyway. And when Marty was describing the Halo universe and, and Master Chief's uh, role in it, uh, that was pretty, you know, that stimulated me. And it was exciting to be able to, ooh, this, is, this will be fun. You know, it was like playing a character in a science fiction movie. And that's really how I approached it. I don't know what to do. How much firepower would you need to crack one of the engine's shields? Not much. A well-placed grenade, perhaps, but why... Okay, I'm coming with you. Master Chief is a character of few words, but Steve's recording sessions still took a few days' work. I think I may have done about three days with, you know, two or three hours each, um, one of which would be, you know, what I call the death sessions, where basically you're going in for two or three hours and screaming bloody murder because, you know, you're, the player has killed your character in some way and you got to, uh, you know, create all these different uh, uh, effects for various stages of death, you know, by misadventure. But the other two were basically just voice sessions, and it's uh, even though the chief didn't have a lot of lines, we had to make sure that the that it, it was it was exactly the way they wanted it. And I think maybe because it was my you know only second foray into doing video games, you know there was a bit of a learning curve that I had to uh, to uh, overcome, and um, and and so we got there. But yeah, that that was about it. When Steve came on board during the development of Halo, he didn't have any visual imagery to go off to interpret the character of Master Chief. Instead, Marty O'Donnell just gave him some basic direction. So it was really the conversation with Marty and I, Marty describing who the character was, how he came to be, uh, what his role was in this game and in this world. And then the big takeaway was, um, he said, you know, think of him as a, a Clint Eastwood type character. And he said, think of Clint Eastwood when he was doing all the old spaghetti westerns, you know, for a few dollars more and fistful of dollars. And, you know, he, the character that he played there uh, also did not speak much. Uh, but when he did, somebody was usually about to die. When a man with a 45 meets a man with a rifle, you said the man with the pistol's a dead man. Let's see if that's true. 
So that's kind of who Master Chief is uh, for all intents and purposes. And so that was my focus, uh, you know, going to record uh, then. And then we would, you know, work on some lines and refine it a little bit until, you know, we got it right where Marty wanted it and it went from there. But that was my initial sort of um, inspiration, if you will. What's it been like working with Marty as kind of a, a voice acting director, I guess, and uh, someone who has, you know, shaped how these games sound, in, both from, from voice casting as well as the music as well? Well, I owe Marty everything. The thing about Marty was he wasn't overly restrictive. He wasn't hovering over me like some people can be, you know, he let me breathe a little bit. He took, you know, what was essentially my approach and then refined it in, 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 and maybe pushed it in, you know, this direction or that direction to help get it to exactly to where he wanted it to be. But it, it, it felt like a collaborative effort and I felt like I had some participation in it rather than just uh, execute direction or executing demands, I felt like I had uh, some role in determining, uh, you know, how this character was going to sound. On the surface, some might say Master Chief is a little two-dimensional, but there's a whole backstory to the character that Steve tries to bring out in his performance, and it starts with getting into the right frame of mind and pulling on a special pair of footwear. Just the act of putting those on and how they feel around your feet and what memories they may bring uh, helps me to lock into character. That's coming up after the break. One of the things I'm most proud of about gameplay is the wonderful community of listeners that's formed around the show. I love hearing directly from people like you on social media or email and reading all the great reviews on Apple Podcasts. But I also love hanging out and talking games on the Gameplay Discord. It's a friendly and welcoming space and it's open to everyone. So come and join us, head to gameplay.co and click on join our Discord. See you there. The character of Master Chief was initially written and designed very intentionally to allow the player to embody the role of the hero through the game. He was given very few speaking lines and his full body armour and helmet obscured his identity, which Steve Downs says was a smart move. I've always felt that that Bungie's initial approach to having the character be faceless uh, was a bit of a stroke of genius because I think it, um, when you look into, you know, the helmet of Master Chief, what do you see? You literally see yourself. You see the reflection, you know, in his visor. You see the reflection. If, if you were literally looking into the helmet of Master Chief, you would see your own reflection. And the point is that you get to be Master Chief when you're playing the game. You know, not only are you, you know, taking the shots for him and all that, but you're hopefully, if... if you know, if we did our job right, you're inside his helmet and you become him or he becomes you. And I think that by not having a face, you can project your own 
personality and face, if you will, into the character. But that was also a challenge for Steve, who had to bring the character to life through his voice alone. And although Bungie's original intent is still valid, Master Chief was also given a detailed backstory. The tie-in novel to Combat Evolved called Halo The Fall of Reach was published about two weeks before the launch of the game. The book was written by Eric Nyland and details Master Chief's origins. Bungie were actually hesitant about the novel going ahead, believing it would detract from their whole faceless protagonist approach. In the end, it all evened out and added more weight to the Halo story. As with any actor's approach to any character, you want to really understand who he is. And the big benefit that I had with Halo, not so much in Halo 1 and 2, but but after that was, um, you know, the rich source material that that sprung out of the game when I'm talking about the books and the comic books and the uh, you know that stuff that, that that fleshed out the halo story and they were tremendously helpful to me when by the time we got around to halo 3 and going forward because you could really you know they expanded the story much beyond uh, you know, what the game could offer. And that helped me a lot in really understanding who this character was and how he came to be. And once you can get a focus on that, ideally the rest of it falls into place, you know. So that's what I was trying to do with with Master Chief was to, uh, you know, get an understanding of, you know, why he didn't speak much, you know, what was that about? And, uh, and you know, what, what was his relationship with Cortana and how did that come to be? And what was his relationship with Dr. Halsey? And, uh, you know, to begin to understand, you know, who this guy is and then keep that in mind when you're, you know, sort of lending your, your vocals to it is, is uh, you know, be able to give the right inflection and the right temperament. Master Chief, defend this station. Yes, sir. I need a weapon. Right this way. As the novels established, Master Chief, also known as John 117, was raised as a super soldier from childhood. You kidnapped them. Children's minds are more easily accepting of indoctrination. Their bodies more adaptable to augmentation. The result was the ultimate soldier. As a teenager, he went through an extensive augmentation procedure to dramatically enhance his physical and mental attributes. So while on one hand he's this kind of blank character type that gives the player more freedom to project themselves into the game, there's also so much more nuance in his backstory, which is considered canon in the Halo universe. For someone who was conscripted into the military as a child and moulded into a super soldier, there's real trauma and pain in his past. Records show Spartans routinely exhibited mildly sociopathic tendencies, difficulty with socialization, and verbal The records fiction. show efficient behaviour operating in hazardous situations. I supplied the tools to maintain that efficiency. Even though the games don't really explore much of that themselves, it's still a part of Master Chief that Steve is acutely aware of. You know, exactly. That's why you you hit on it. There's pain underneath that. Um, His emotions were sort of bred out of him, right? And so 
the emotional quality of, of, of Master Chief was always something that was just under the surface. And I would approach that as if I'm trying not to be emotional, uh, to keep that in check. Because my interpretation of what was and is that Master Chief always feels like if his emotions got the best of him, he would, it would be a liability to him. Uh, and it could be fatal in, in, in either to him or into the, into the, to people who are depending on him. So he's constantly trying to keep that down. And, and I think there's also an element where that he doesn't fully understand it. He doesn't really understand why he feels an emotional tug uh, about you know a particular character or, or or the death of one of his soldiers or whatever it's a confusing uh emotion to him and so you know there's always that that uh, you know I can't let that out because if I do I'm not going to be able to perform my duties the way I've been trained to so that's sort of what I'm thinking of when I'm uh doing his character For most actors, getting into the right mindset to portray their character effectively is really important. Some have a routine they go through to help themselves get into character, and Steve is no different. You know, especially because the recordings for Master Chief, you know, the work of doing his voice uh, is not something I do every day. You know, it comes about every, it used to come about every three to four years. And now with Halo Infinite, it's been over five years since the last game. Uh, so there's that. There's a significant amount of downtime between between sessions. So there, I would say, as we, as we, you know, you know, when I get the call, that leading up to that session, as you start to, um, you know, submerge yourself back into that world, and and then once there. Uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, get yourself into character to play this uh, iconic super soldier. Uh, and in this case, somebody that I've um, had the pleasure of knowing for over 20 years now. So there is the, a, a process. And I'm, I remember having a vocal coach a long time ago tell me um, for any voice acting you may be doing is that you use all the tools at your command because unlike regular stage or film acting, you know, there's nothing physical you can use. You can't use your, your, your body, you know, in a physical way to help convey who your character is, right? All you have is your voice. So, you, you know, whatever else you can bring to the party to help you get there, do so. And she said, if it's a matter of a piece of clothing uh, or, or, you know, jewelry or anything that helps you in some abstract way lock into that character, then use it. And in my case, it was an old pair of cowboy boots that I had. And I, that I happened to be wearing on the day that we I did the very first Halo session, and so that became my thing. And I and I only use them now. <laughs> I only wear them if I'm going in to record for Master Chief. I don't. They serve no other purpose. And uh, but that helps me. And and it may sound strange, but I think any actor who's listening knows what I'm talking about. Is that just the act of putting those on and how they feel around your feet and what what memories they may bring uh, helps me to lock into character and so for me that's what it is it's a funky old pair of 25 year old cowboy boots <laughs> that that helps to get me where i need to be 
As the Halo series of games have progressed, particularly with 343 Industries taking over development from Bungie, the story has been given a little more depth. For the original Halo trilogy, Steve's recording sessions were all done alone, but with Halo 4, he was able to act alongside his co-star Jen Taylor, who plays the AI Cortana, because the story required a much more emotional interaction between their two characters. And that was a tremendous, you know, this, when people ask me what's my favorite game, I always say Halo 4, mainly because of the experience of recording it was a totally unique experience that, that um, you know, I got to work with Jen, who is a tremendous actor, and uh, we got to be in the studio together doing these lines together. And it was just a great experience, and I, one that I would, uh, you know, will always treasure. But that's, that's the literally the one and only time uh, I've, uh, you know, been able to work with another actor uh, in terms of Halo. I'm not coming with you this time. What? And it was a great decision on 343's part uh, to uh, to do it that way, and that, and that and that's exactly why, especially in the scenes towards the end of the game where Cortana is becoming rampant and starting to, you know, come unraveled, basically. It was my job to take care of you. We were supposed to take care of each other. And we did. Cortana, please. It was a great help to me, certainly, and I think to Jen as well, that we could interact with each other uh, in person. Uh, and uh, it, it, I, I always remember... When we were, uh, I, I didn't know Jen that well, personally or professionally, before those sessions. We had met, uh, I think, a couple of months earlier for the 10th anniversary of Combat Evolved, and that was the first time we'd ever actually even met. And so it wasn't like we were old pals or anything. And, and we're in the studio recording the last, um, you know, the end of, of Halo 4, and I and so it was a very emotional scene for both of us. And I re, and I remember saying to Jen before we started recording, I said, "Look, if I reach out for you and grab your hand, you know, understand. I'm, I'm, it's just helping me to get. You know, I don't I don't want you to freak out or anything or or pull away because it'll uh, will break character. But she was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool. That's fine." So it comes to that point where we're leading up to that scene, and uh, I, by this time now, I am so tunnel vision that I that I completely forget where I am and who and and who's in the room with me and I don't reach out I don't reach for her hand and the scene's over and I look up and she's standing there holding her hand out I was like wow dude you left me hanging <laughs> I'm right here <laughs> and uh but I, I I was just so wrapped up in what I was doing at that point that I uh that I, I completely forgot that that was something that I'm might have done but um but you know that that was a case where you know the 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 physical presence of the other actor in the room was a great benefit to me certainly for microsoft halo has become its marquee franchise and master chief its mascot it's the kind of console exclusive that drives people to purchase an xbox just to play halo and for me, the moment that really solidified this was the launch of Halo 2 in 2004. The anticipation for the sequel was massive, and it was the first time I recall a game receiving the kind of marketing and promotion that was usually reserved for blockbuster films. 
This level of popularity for Halo was something that Steve could never have imagined. It's been fascinating to me, and I and I think probably after Halo 2 was actually my first real awareness that uh, I had somehow, you know, gotten this tiger by the tail, you know, in terms of an acting job, uh, that this was way beyond anything that I ever thought it was going to be. When I recorded for Combat Evolved, I had no sense that there was going to be a sequel or, you know, quite honestly, I don't think anybody at Bungie did either, but... Uh, it, it certainly became that and to watch that happen over time I remember this had been a, a good year after uh, Combat Evolve came out and I was visiting a friend uh, it, was my, it was my girlfriend at the time uh, and we were down visiting his or her brother in Florida and I was walking through the room he had a couple of kids and they were playing Halo and I had completely forgotten about my experience with it 100% to the extent that, uh, you know, when I saw them playing the game, it, it, it jarred my memory. And I, and I was like, well, you know, I, I think I voiced a character in that game. It was the first time I'd ever seen it, you know, since working on it. And the kids were like, oh, really? Well, who, who, what character did you do? And I said, I, you know, I can't remember his name, but I think he was the main guy in the game. And they said, Master Chief. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was Master Chief. So half hour later... There's a line outside my friend's door of 30 or 40 kids from the neighborhood all carrying an Xbox or a copy of the game wanting me to sign it. And I was flabbergasted. I, it was just, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And my girlfriend and I went down to the local mall and went into the local, you know, I don't know if it was a GameStop or whatever, someplace that sold video games. And they had a big life-size cutout of Master Chiefs in the doorway there. And that was my first real inclination that this was something much, much bigger than I had ever dreamed it would be. The Halo universe continues to expand across all types of media. And sometimes that means someone else gets to step into Master Chief's boots. In Halo Legends, the anime short films released in 2010, David Wald portrayed the chief. This kind of thing happens to him all the time. Well, 1337 is still a Spartan. He's been For the 2012 live-action web series Forward Unto Dawn, Alex Puccinelli provided the voice. We don't have much time. Let's go. And in the upcoming Halo TV series, Pablo Schreiber will take on the role, both in costume and voice. But for the Halo games, it's hard to imagine anyone but Steve Downs as Spartan 117. Sir, permission to leave the station. For what purpose, Master Chief? To give the Covenant back their bomb. Permission granted. There were two instances where uh, I almost didn't do it, and one of them was after Combat Evolved, when that became such a huge success. Um, and I didn't know this at the time. Marty told me this years later. Um, they were looking at recasting all of the voice actors because uh, at that point uh, they were starting to use celebrities in in video games, you know, to voice the characters to help, you know, increase the profile of the game. And uh, Bungie was no exception. Uh, fortunately for me, they at some point somebody said, "Well, you know what? If it ain't broke, why are we fixing it?" And they decided just to keep it as it was. They ended up introducing some new characters and did use some celebrity people in it. But they 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 thought, you know, they, people like you know Master Chief the way he is. They like Cortana the way she is. Why are we changing it? And they didn't. When 
Bungie finally got out of the Halo business and and walked away from it. Now it's being handled by a whole new group of people for the most part. And 343 did want to make a change and they had the same, you know, they were going to put their mark on it and they were they had recast and they weren't thinking about it. They had done it, recast the voice of Master Chief and they recast the voice of Cortana. But when they went to beta test the game, uh, people didn't like it. That doesn't sound like Master Chief. That is not... That doesn't sound like Cortana. That's not what's in my head. I don't know who that is, but it's, I don't like it. <laughs> and they came back to us, uh, you know, a little bit of hat in hand. And, and, and uh, we ended up recording, you know, what became Halo 4. So there were two instances where it, it almost slipped away from me, but uh, fortunately it didn't. And, um, and you know, we've wrapped uh, at least my part of uh, Halo Infinite a few months ago. And I was sad to, to do the last session, uh, you know, because, you know, who knows when I'll have the chance again. But, I mean, that's how much I, I still enjoy doing it. The Xbox team have stated that Halo will continue in some form beyond Halo Infinite, the next entry in the series. But whatever direction they take, Steve will always carry his experience of being Master Chief. How do you reflect on your time as, as Master Chief so far, and what does it mean to you to be part of the Halo franchise and um, playing this character now for, for 20 years? You know, James, it's... it's uh very, very humbling, uh, first of all. The fulfillment of a childhood dream. Uh, you know, I always say, be careful what you wish for because you're more than likely going to get it. And that's certainly been my case. And I'm not that unusual. You know, a little boy growing up in the 60s and, uh, you know, who 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 didn't want to be Batman or Superman or, you know, all, the, all those kind of fantasies that we would have as little boys growing up. And, you know, here much later in my life, I got to play a superhero. It's just a, a, a dream that I can't believe actually happened to me. Um, and so it's been a lot of fun. And then the other part of it is being able to talk to the fans of the game and of the Chief in particular and how much the game or Master Chief meant to them. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody tell me that Master Chief in some way helped them get through a difficult period in their life. And boy, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Uh, you know, when you can walk away and feel like, you know, you do this job in a, in a little studio and you're reading these lines and whatever, and that on the other end of that, somewhere down the line, you're helping somebody in some way. That's a tremendously rewarding experience. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for gaming conventions that allow us as voice actors to be able to, to you know, interact with fans in a very meaningful and intimate way, uh, I would never know that. And, you know, as most acting jobs and certainly most voice acting jobs, you don't get much feedback. The only feedback you get from a voice acting job is a residual check. <laughs> and if you get a lot of those, then you know you were doing your job. But when it, you, you don't get that in video games, so what, what you do get, uh, hopefully, if you're connected to something as, as successful as Halo has been, is the feedback from the fans. And that's been a tremendously uh, rewarding experience. And like I said, a humbling experience. 
A huge thank you to Steve Downs for being so generous with his time and sharing his story with us. You can follow him on Twitter at SteveDowns117 and find out when he's going to be at a gaming convention near you. He's also on Cameo if you'd like to get a personalised message from the Master Chief himself. Gameplay is a production of Lawson Media. This episode was written and produced by me, James Parkinson. The gameplay theme was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our artwork is by Keegan Sanford and additional music from Epidemic Sound and Breakmaster Cylinder. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Gameplay Podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, please help us out by sharing gameplay on social media and help us to spread the word and reach new listeners. Transcripts and further reading can be found on our website, gameplay.co. Until next time, thanks for listening.